Hi, welcome to History's Great Speeches. I'm Charles Featherston, voice artist, narrator and compiler of the series. Please like or subscribe and feel free to contact me via Bandcamp, Podbean, Facebook or Patreon to let me know speeches or time periods you'd like to see covered. You can find a full set of links at my website, charlesfeatherston.uk. Cicero, first speech against Catiline, 63 BCE. When, O Catiline, do you mean to cease abusing our patience? How long is that madness of yours still to mock us? When is there to be an end of that unbridled audacity of yours, swaggering about as it does now? Do not the nightly guards placed on the Palatine Hill, do not the watches posted throughout the city, does not the alarm of the people and the union of all good men, does not the precaution taken of assembling this senate in this most defensible place, do not the looks and countenances of this venerable body here present have any effect upon you? Do you not feel that your plans are detected? Do you not see that your conspiracy is already arrested and rendered powerless by the knowledge which everyone here possesses of it? What is there that you did last night? What the night before? Where is it that you were? Who was there that you summoned to meet you? What design was there which was adopted by you, with which you think that any one of us is unacquainted? Shame on the age and on its principles! The Senate is aware of these things, the Consul sees them, and yet this man lives. Lives! Aye, he comes even into the Senate. He takes a part in the public deliberations. He is watching and marking down and checking off for slaughter every individual among us. And we, gallant men that we are, think that we are doing our duty to the Republic if we keep out of the way of his frenzied attacks. You ought, O Catiline, long ago to have been led to execution by command of the Consul. That destruction which you have been long plotting against us ought to have already fallen on your own head. What? Did not that most illustrious man, Publius Scipio, the Pontifex Maximus, in his capacity of a private citizen, put to death Tiberius Gracchus, though but slightly undermining the constitution? And shall we, who are the consuls, tolerate Catiline, openly desirous to destroy the whole world with fire and slaughter? For I pass over older instances, such as how Caius Servilius Ahala with his own hand slew Spurius Milus when plotting a revolution in the state. There was, there was once such virtue in this republic that brave men would repress mischievous citizens with severer chastisement than the most bitter enemy. For we have a resolution of the Senate, a formidable and authoritative decree against you, O Catiline. The wisdom of the Republic is not at fault, nor the dignity of this senatorial body. We, we alone, I say it openly, we, the consuls, are wanting in our duty. The Senate once passed a decree that Lucius Opimus, the consul, should take care that the Republic suffered no injury. Not one night elapsed. There was put to death, on some mere suspicion of disaffection, Caius Gracchus, a man whose family had borne the most unblemished reputation for many generations. There was slain Marcus Fulvius, a man of consular rank, and all his children. By a like decree of the Senate, the safety of the Republic was entrusted to Caius Marius and Lucius Valerius, the consuls. Did not the vengeance of the Republic, did not execution overtake Lucius Saturnius, a tribune of the people, and Caius Servilius, the praetor, without the delay of one single day? But we, for these twenty years, have been allowing the edge of the Senate's authority to grow blunt, as it were. For we are in possession of a similar decree of the Senate, but we keep it locked up in its parchment, buried, I may say, in the sheath, 
and according to this decree you ought, O Catiline, to be put to death this instant. You live, and you live not to lay aside, but to persist in your audacity. I wish, O conscript fathers, to be merciful. I wish not to appear negligent amid such danger to the state, but I do now accuse myself of remissness and culpable inactivity. A camp is pitched in Italy at the entrance of Vittoria in hostility to the Republic. The number of the enemy increases every day, and yet the general of that camp, the leader of those enemies, we see within the walls, I and even in the Senate, planning every day some internal injury to the Republic. If, O Catiline, I should now order you to be arrested, to be put to death, I should, I suppose, have to fear lest all good men should say that I had acted tardily, rather than that anyone should affirm that I acted cruelly. But yet this, which ought to have been done long since, I have good reason for not doing as yet. I will put you to death. Then, when there shall be not one person possible to be found so wicked, so abandoned, so like yourself, as not to allow that it has been rightly done. As long as one person exists who can dare to defend you, you shall live. But you shall live as you do now, surrounded by my many and trusty guards, so that you shall not be able to stir one finger against the Republic. Many eyes and ears shall still observe and watch you, as they have hitherto done, though you shall not perceive them. For what is there, O Catiline, that you can still expect if night is not able to veil your nefarious meetings in darkness, and if private houses cannot conceal the voice of your conspiracy within their walls, if everything is seen and displayed? Change your mind. Trust me. Forget the slaughter and conflagration that you are meditating. You are hemmed in on all sides. All your plans are clearer than the day to us. Let me remind you of them. Do you recollect that on the 21st of October I said in the Senate that on a certain day, which was to be the 27th of October, C. Manlius, the satellite and servant of your audacity, would be in arms? Was I mistaken, Catiline, not only in so important, so atrocious, so incredible a fact, but, what is much more remarkable, in the very day? I said also in the Senate that you had fixed the massacre of the nobles for the 28th of October when many chief men of the Senate had left Rome, not so much for the sake of saving themselves as of checking your designs. Can you deny that that very day you were so hemmed in by my guards and my vigilance that you were unable to stir one finger against the Republic? When you said that you would be content with the flight of the rest and the slaughter of us who remained? What? When you made sure that you would be able to seize Praeneste on the 1st of November by a nocturnal attack, did you not find that that colony was fortified by my order, by my garrison, by my watchfulness and care? You do nothing, you plan nothing, you think of nothing which I not only do not hear, but which I do not see and know every particular of. Listen while I speak of the night before. You shall now see that I watch far more actively for the safety than you do for the destruction of the Republic. I say that you came the night before, I will say nothing obscurely, into the scythe dealer's street, to the house of Marcus Lecker, that many of your accomplices in the same insanity and wickedness came there too. Do you dare to deny it? Why are you silent? I will prove it to you if you do deny it, for I see here in the Senate some men who were there with you. Oh, ye immortal gods, where on earth are we? In what city are we living? What constitution is ours? There are here, here in our body, O conscript fathers, in this most holy and dignified assembly of the whole world, men who meditate my death, 
and the death of all of us, and the destruction of this city, and of the whole world. I, the consul, see them. I ask them their opinion about the Republic, and I do not yet attack, even by words, those who ought to be put to death by the sword. You were there, no Catiline, at Lecca's that night. You divided Italy into sections. You settled where everyone was to go. You fixed whom you were to leave at Rome, whom you were to take with you. You portioned out the divisions of the city for conflagration. You undertook that you yourself would at once leave the city, and said that there was then only this to delay you, that I was still alive. Two Roman knights were found to deliver you from this anxiety, and to promise that very night, before daybreak, to slay me in my bed. All this I knew almost before your meeting had broken up. I strengthened and fortified my house with a stronger guard. I refused admittance when they came to those whom you sent in the morning to salute me, and of whom I had foretold to many eminent men that they would come to me at that time. As then this is the case, O Catiline, continue as you have begun. Leave the city at least. The gates are open. Depart. That Manlian camp of yours has been waiting too long for you as its general and lead forth with you all of your friends, or at least as many as you can. Purge the city of your presence. You will deliver me from a great fear when there is a wall between you and me. Among us you can dwell no longer. I will not bear it. I will not permit it. I will not tolerate it. Great thanks are due to the immortal gods and to this very Jupiter senator, in whose temple we are, the most ancient protector of this city, that we have already so often escaped so foul, so horrible, and so deadly an enemy to the Republic. But the safety of the Commonwealth must not be too often allowed to be risked on one man. As long as you, O Catiline, plotted against me while I was the consul-elect, I defended myself, not with a public guard, but by my own private diligence. When, in the next consular comitia, you wished to slay me when I was actually consul, and your competitors also, in the campus Martius, I checked your nefarious attempts by the assistance and resources of my own friends, without exciting any disturbance publicly. In short, as often as you attacked me, I by myself opposed you, and that too, though I saw that my ruin was connected with great disaster to the Republic. But now you are openly attacking the entire Republic. You are summoning to destruction and devastation the temples of the immortal gods, the houses of the city, the lives of all the citizens, in short, all Italy. Wherefore, since I do not yet venture to do that which is the best thing, and which belongs to my office and to the discipline of our ancestors, I will do that which is more merciful if we regard its rigour and more expedient for the state. For if I order you to be put to death, the rest of the conspirators will still remain in the Republic. If, as I have long been exhorting you, you depart, your companions, those worthless dregs of the Republic, will be drawn off from the city too. What is the matter, Catiline? Do you hesitate to do that when I order you which you were already doing of your own accord? The consul orders an enemy to depart from the city. Do you ask me, are you to go into banishment? I do not order it, but if you consult me, I advise it. For what is there, O Catiline, that can now afford you any pleasure in this city? For there is no one in it except that band of profligate conspirators of yours who does not fear you, no one who does not hate you. What brand of domestic baseness is not stamped upon your life? What disgraceful circumstances waiting to your infamy in your private affairs? From what licentiousness have your eyes, from what atrocity have your hands, from what iniquity has your whole body ever abstained? 
Is there one use when you have once entangled him in the temptations of your corruption to whom you have not held out a sword for audacious crime or a torch for licentious wickedness? What, when lately by the death of your former wife you had made your house empty and ready for a new bridal, did you not even add another incredible wickedness to this wickedness? But I pass that over and willingly allow it to be buried in silence that so horrible a crime may not be seen to have existed in this city and not to have been chastised. I pass over the ruin of your fortune, which you know is hanging over you against the ides of the very next month. I come to those things which relate not to the infamy of your private vices, not to your domestic difficulties and baseness, but to the welfare of the Republic and to the lives and safety of us all. Can the light of this life, O Catiline, can the breath of this atmosphere be pleasant to you when you know there is not one man of those here present who is ignorant that you, on the last day of the year, when Lepidus and Tullus were consuls, stood in the assembly armed? That you had prepared your hand for the slaughter of the consuls and chief men of the state, and that no reason or fear of yours hindered your crime and madness but the fortune of the Republic? And I say no more of these things, for they are not unknown to everyone. How often have you endeavoured to slay me, both as consul-elect and as actual consul? How many shots of yours, so aimed that they seemed impossible to be escaped, have I avoided by some slight stooping aside and some dodging, as it were, of my body? You attempt nothing, you execute nothing, you devise nothing that can be kept hid from me at the proper time. And yet you do not cease to attempt and to contrive. How often already has that dagger of yours been wrested from your hands, how often has it slipped through them by some chance and dropped down? And yet you cannot any longer do without it. And to what sacred mysteries is it consecrated and devoted by you I know not, that you think it necessary to plunge it in the body of the consul. But now, what is that life of yours that you are leading? For I will speak to you not so as to seem influenced by the hatred I ought to feel, but by pity, nothing of which is due to you. You came a little while ago into the Senate, in so numerous an assembly, who of so many friends and connections of yours saluted you? If this in the memory of man never happened to anyone else, are you waiting for insults by word of mouth, when you are overwhelmed by the most irresistible condemnation of silence? Is it nothing that at your arrival all these seats were vacated? That all the men of consular rank, who had often been marked out by you for slaughter, the very moment you sat down, left that part of the benches bare and vacant? With what feelings do you think you ought to bear this?'